0: We're in Kings 2, chapter 2, we're beginning the chapter, and this is the chapter where Elijah, Eliyahu Navi, is swept up into heaven in a whirlwind and fire and brimstone, and it's certainly one of the more unique uh, episodes you're going to see in the Bible, and that's appropriate for a very unique biblical figure, Elijah the prophet. He's been pretty special all along the way, and there's no reason why his departure from this world won't be... Special as well. And this departure, um, it's recorded here, right here in the Bible. It's not a midrash, it's not an agarita, right here in the scripture for generations to see how Elijah actually defies death. And it's a one and only feat for a one and only uh, individual. So let's open up chapter 2, verse 1. And it was when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. That Elijah and Elisha went from the Gilgal. So already verse 1 is kind of telling us to get ready because the Lord's about to take Eliyahu in a whirlwind. So, you know, fasten your seatbelt. And Elijah and Elisha are walking from the Gilgal. Remember, Elisha is Eliyahu's right-hand man, it's, it's Talmud Mufak, his prized student, and he's with Elijah all the time. So it says in verse 2, Vayomer Elisha. And Elijah said to Elisha, "Shevnapo, stay here for now, ki Hashem shalachani ad Beit El, for the Lord has sent me as far as Beit El. Vayomer Elisha, and Elisha said, Chai Hashem v'chai as the Lord lives, and by the life of your soul I will not leave you. So they went down to Betel. So we see here that Elijah is requesting from Elisha that he not accompany him to Betel, even though the Lord wants Elijah to go to Betel. But Elisha says, I'm going to be with you through hell and high water. I'm not going to leave you. So why does Elijah want Elisha not to accompany him? So the commentators tell us, both Rashi and Mitzvah David, they tell us that because Elijah is humble, he doesn't want Elisha to see what's about to happen to him, so he's kind of dro- he's trying to drive him away out of a great humility. So they go to Betel. Now, if you notice, the verse says Ad Betel. They go up to Betel, or oh, the Lord has sent me Ad Betel as far as Betel, because according to the commentators, they don't go into Betel because Betel had the uh, golden calf of Yeravam ben Avat. We know that Yeravam ben Avat had put a calf, a golden calf, in Bethel and Dan, and it was a center of idol worship at that point. A lot of tuma, a lot of impurity in Bethel. So, they, so the verse says, "Ad Bethel, up to Bethel." Okay, verse three. Ve b'nei Beit El. So they get to Bethel, Elisha, or up to Beit El, Elisha and Elijah, and it says, "B'nei neviim came out to them." So, who are these b'nei neviim? Well, literally, they're disciples of the prophets, or Children of the prophets, we're talking about st- students of the prophets, and they come out to Betel, or they come from Betel to meet, to greet Elisha, and they say to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master from you? And Elisha tells them, Oh, I know, I know it too, but be quiet. So what's going on here in verse 3? Well, we have the B'nai neviim, disciples of the prophets, and they tell Elisha, you know the Shem's going to take your master. And they say your master instead of our master. And that shows Elisha's special closeness to Elijah. He has that special relationship. He's the Talmud Mufak. So out of respect, they say Adonecha, your master is being, going to be taken from you. And Elisha says, I know it. Be quiet, be quiet because, again, Elijah is humble. He doesn't want everybody to witness the spectacle and to know about it. So Hechash will be quiet. But what's important to point out here is that there really is a proliferation of uh, prophets now in this generation. And these prophets are no longer uh, hiding in the closet, if we recall, in the days of Ahab and Avadia. Avadia had to hide them in caves because uh, Jezebel wanted to kill them. Well, now they're out there and uh, in big, great number. And according to the Dats that after the fall of uh, Ahab, after he fell in battle, that uh, really um, verified the words of the prophets because they predicted that. And the false prophets predicted victory for Ahab. So when he fell, Jezebel didn't have a strong uh, point anymore. She was herself afraid because she knows the decrees against her. So she, her position was weakened after the fall of Ahav, Ahab. And so, you have these prophets now kind of pretty much free and not hiding in caves anymore. And these prophets, these Benin of well, they were great men as well. They were heavy-duty prophets. And the fact is, we don't even know their names. But um, that's the way it works. If the prophecy is needed only for that time, if they're giving over prophecies that are not needed for future generations, they're just prophecies for that particular era, then their prophecies are not recorded in the Bible. So these prophets are not known, like prophets that we have in the Bible, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Elijah and and so forth, and and Micha and Amos and uh, Yoel. All those prophets gave over prophecies that were needed for further generations, so their prophecies are recorded, and these prophets don't have their prophecies recorded, but the understanding is that there's so many of them. And that's a tremendous pr- uh, progression in spirituality for the Jewish people. Kind of the days of Samuel. When Samuel was around, it, he, when he started out, it said there was very little prophecy. But by the, the, way, by the time Samuel, Shmuel, was done, it says there was tr- a lot of prophecy. A lot of prophets. So here, too, there's a uh, pickup in prophecy. And you have these Neviim all over the place. So we go now to verse 4. So the same thing happens. Elijah says to Elisha, stay here for now, for the Lord has sent me to Yericho, so now Elijah's got to go from Bethel to Jericho. So the same thing. Elisha says to him, as the Lord lives and by your life, I will not leave you. So indeed, Elisha accompanies Elijah to Jericho as well. Verse 5. So now, the disciples of the prophets in Jericho, now, all of them now, approach Elisha. They're coming towards Elisha. And they said to him, Do you know that the Lord today will take your master from you? I know it. But be quiet. So it looks like the exact same thing happens, just like in Betel, They approach Elisha and tell him uh, what's going to happen. And he says, quiet, I know. So too does this happen in Jericho. And the Malbim has a very fascinating commentary. He says, how do do the disciples of the prophets, the Bnei Nevi'im, how do they know that the Lord's going to take Elijah today? So the Malbim says, it's kind of like our body with a heart. And the heart is the center of the body. It's the uh, focal point. And, uh, and that's Elijah. He's the heart. And the Benin the disciples, they're kind of like the extremities of the body. The fingers, the toes. So when the heart gets weaker, the extremities of the body feel it first. So these disciples already feel a weakening in their prophecy. But, the, but those appendages close to the heart, like Elisha, who's close to the to the Rebbe. He's close to Elijah. He's not going to feel the weakness until, until the end. He'll be the last one to feel it. And so that what they're doing is they're asking, Elisha, do you also feel a weakening in your prophetic powers? And Elisha says, I know. I do. And that's how they know that Elijah's departure is imminent. That's what's happening here according to the Malbim. And it kind of explains how the B'nai knew what was happening. And according to the Malbim, when Elisha says, Hechashu, be quiet, it doesn't mean be quiet because he's humble and he doesn't want you to see what's going to happen. But be be quiet from praying. That is, refrain from praying for him. That is, don't pray for him to last longer in this world because his departure will be a great halula. It will be a happy day, a halula, and it will complete him. So be quiet means be quiet from praying. So that's the ma'al means very... Um, very profound uh, commentary there. So it, now it continues in verse 6. lo Eliyahu. And Eliyahu said, Shevna. So Eliyahu again says to Elisha, Stay here for now. Ki Hashem shlachani yardena, Because now the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And the same thing happens. Elisha says, In As the Lord lives, Ve'chai nafshecha. And by your life, imazveka. I will not leave you. So, for the third time, and we notice, if you notice, I mean, Elijah's always popping around from place to place. Here he is going again from place to place. And he's going out to the Jordan. Now, if you recall, we, we compared many times Elijah to Moses. If you recall back in chapter 19 of Kings 1, when Elijah went up to Mount Sinai and Hashem appeared to him and revealed. Uh, His essence to Elijah. We compare that very much to Moses and the commentators. Give many, many uh, similarities between Moses and Elijah. And here as well, we see that Elijah is going towards the Jordan. And that's where also Moses departs from the Jewish people. Also at the Jordan, on the east bank of the Jordan River. So too Elijah goes in that direction. The difference is, Moses passes away and Elijah doesn't even pass away. If you notice the word mitah. Lashon mita, or death, is never used here in this, in this episode. Always the word lokech, lokech. Hashem is going to take him. Because the fact is, Elijah does not die. He defies death and he's taken. And again, that's unique in history and in the Bible, of course. So, it says that he went shneihem, shnehem, at the Jordan. And that also is reminiscent of the Akedah. You know, the Akedah Yitzchak, when Abraham and Isaac went together... To Haramoriah, it says they went together. So this kind of reminds us of that—they're teacher and student going together. And what's what's uh, very prominent is Alicia's tremendous devacas to Elijah, his clingingness to him, his loyalty to Elijah. It's something that's special. You don't see it anywhere in the Tanakh. That three times, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Maybe the closest thing is Ruth to know me, right? But. You have this really um, profound dvekus between student and, and Rav of Alicia towards Elijah the prophet. And the other thing we might want to uh, examine, and the Abarbanel gets into it, is what is this teal that Elijah's going, you know, from the Gilgal to Betel to Jericho to the Jordan? Is this like a way of saying goodbye to his disciples? It could be. Maybe that's what's happening, is that... Um, Elijah is going through these areas because there's a lot of prophets there, and he's uh, separating from them properly and saying goodbye, shalom. But according to the Barbanel, something bigger is happening, that Elijah is traveling through these holy places before his departure because he he, um, doesn't know where he's going to ascend to heaven exactly. So he goes to the Gilgal, and of course the Gilgal was where the Jewish people encamped. When they arrived with, with Joshua, that was the first place they came to. So there's a special significance there. And then he goes to Betel. Of course, Betel is where Jacob had a uh, revelation twice. Hashem came to him. He built a, a monument there. So maybe uh, that's why Elijah ventured to Betel. And then Jericho, of course, that's where the first city that Joshua conquered in miraculous fashion was conquered. And Joshua fought the battles at Jericho and... Maybe there, Elijah thought, that should be the place I will be taken and ascended to heaven. And then he goes to the Jordan, which also had been split. Miracles happened also at the Jordan. So according to the Barbanel, this isn't just like a maslul, like just a regular path that Elijah's going on to say goodbye, but it's a very special biblical journey he's going on here with his student, Elisha. So now in verse 7, So now, 50 men of the disciples of the prophets went and stood opposite Mirachok, from a distance. But the two of them, that is Elijah and Elisha, stood at the Jordan. So we have 50 men of the B'nai nevi'im. They're probably disciples of the prophets from the area of the Jordan, near the Jordan. They stood opposite from afar. So they're not going to be really close now to the... the departure, the miraculous departure of Eliyahu from this world, they're kind of afar. And the fact that it says 50 men of the disciples of the prophets, that is, that is also maybe a reference to 50 uh, prophets who had been in a cave. If you recall, Avadia, the prophet, had hid 100 prophets from Jezebel, who wanted to murder them. And it said 50 in each cave. So maybe that's 50 of the disciples who are out of the cave. As we said, they're now roaming free after the fall of Achav, according to Dat Sofrim, that weakened in the position of Jezebel. So these 50 men can be reminiscent to the 50 prophets there. So let's now go on in verse 8. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and Eliyahu took his mantle, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water, and he struck the water, and the water divided on one side and to the other side. That is, it split. And they both crossed on dry land. So Eliyahu performs yet another miracle before he goes off in a blaze of glory. And it says he rolled up his mantle. Of course, the Aderit, Eliyahu, his mantle is an and We've seen him use that before. He used it to anoint Elisha. He covered himself with it at Mount Sinai. So we have this mantle, his trademark and he rolls it up it says but actually what he probably did is you ever take a towel as a kid and you spin it around with your two hands you spin it so you could turn it into like a whip and like whip the other kid with it we used to do that in camp that's probably what he did because he's not hitting the water with a stick he's hitting it with his mantle that's that's a piece of clothing actually so how can you do that so he like i said he probably spinned it around and turned it into something a little bit, you know, long and hard, so he can kind of strike the water with it, and the Jordan splits. So now, let's do verse 9. And as Avram as they cross the Jordan, So Elijah says to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you, while I am not yet taken from you, that is, before I'm taken from you, ask something that I can do for you. Again, the word being used is be, to be taken. We never have the word of dying here in Hebrew. Lashon mitaz never used, because again, Elisha never did die. And so, Eliyahu asks Elisha, do you have any final requests for me? And let's see what Elisha asks. And Elisha said, Vahina, he says I would like please give me a double portion of your spirit on me I want twice as I want twice of what you have that's basically what Alicia's asking for two times a double portion of your spirit now we don't know exactly we don't know exactly what that means right because these are very very spiritual terms you know abstract terms but in a simple understanding we know that uh, Halacha says that the, the Bahor, the firstborn, and the family, the first boy, the Bahor, he gets a double portion of the inheritance. Out of all the heirs, he gets twice as much. So maybe Elisha is also saying, being that I am your Talmim Mufak, I'm your uh, prize student, I'm number one, I should get a double portion, twice as much as everybody else. That's a very simple idea. Now what does it mean to have a double portion? Well, it's a tough request. Even Elijah will tell him in the next verse. Well, you just made a very tough request. How can I give you more than I have? Or maybe it's not in my hands. That's in God's hands. But whatever Elisha's asking for, it has to be realized that he's not asking it for himself. Elisha is not some you know egotistical person that wants the powers of Eliyahu twice as much. But he knows. Elisha knows that he has very serious challenges ahead of him, and he's going to need a lot of ruach. And Elijah's spirit, he'll need a lot of the power that Elijah had. Even Elijah was mityash, fell into despair from all the challenges he had, dealing with the wicked kings, dealing with this, the situation and the and the tumour and the impurity in, in the machut sharon in Israel. He's going to need it in order to hold on and to be successful. And that's why he's asking for... Double portion of Elijah's spirit. Just like Solomon asking for wisdom, not for himself, but to be able to rule the Jewish people properly and govern them, he asked for wisdom. So too, here, Elisha asks for Pishnaim, Meruchachah, twice your spirit. And so obviously, Elisha's doing it for Amisrael, not for himself. And we're going to stop here right before Elijah goes off into the heavens in a blaze of glory.